open up your books, you bad apples. Oh. I guess it, I don't know that it shouldn't be impressive, but I'm impressed by it every single time it happens. Hello everyone, welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club, I'm Lucas Nord. And Cole Pal, how are you doing today? Uh, just getting over those birthday highs, you know, birthday was yesterday. Went to work, they said, Cole, you can have the day off, and I said, okay, cool, and then they said, Cole, you gotta work, and I said, uh, not cool. Wow. Not only being scheduled on your birthday, which whatever, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know what I mean? You can't really argue with it at this point in our lives, but to tell you that you didn't have to come into work and then to immediately tell you you did, it would feel like a real kick in the stones, personally, I think. Oh yeah, I signed that dotted line, I'm serving my country, you know, I'm protecting the Constitution, which is under a threat right now. I said I condoned the violence last week. I meant condemn. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I would hope that that wouldn't be too obvious, but wouldn't that be really fun? Um, I feel like we've been conveying a nice, neutral atmosphere, other than sometimes you will get a bit more political than I will, just because I don't understand what I'm talking about. But um, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if we... Just had a nice neutral atmosphere here and then just started throwing out some very bold statements. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? <laughs> some hot takes. Uh, I love QAnon. Uh, mm, I don't even know what QAnon is. Maybe that's, uh, that's a hot That's a good take. thing. That's a good thing. Okay, well, anyway. Um, what are we talking about today, Cole? Uh, we're continuing... I know why the Cage Bird Sings, uh, our second part of a four-part series. And right up top here, folks, uh, we've talked about it before with our Clockwork Orange series. This particular part, I'm actually not sure about any parts after this, but there is going to be some sexual violence in this one. So just like I said, right up top, if that isn't something you want to listen to, um, you know, we'll have other episodes with different stuff in it. Just yep. hang tight. Yep, and if you want to look it up on Spark Notes, whatever, it's going to be chapters 10 through 18. Very nice. Covering. So if you don't want to uh, listen up on it, you can read through it. Still bad information. Well, not, you know, just still violent stuff. Right. Uh, just, um, yeah. well, we'll discuss it. Yeah. Um, yep. Was there any particular highlights or maybe lowlights from our first part that you wanted to discuss through the first however many years of a young Maya Angelou's life in Stamps, Arkansas? Basically, uh, we followed her life from the age of three up until... I have it somewhere in the outline. It'll say what age she is now, but she's probably five to ten at this point. Put and on a train by her parents. Yep. Kind of set off into the world on her own from the very beginning uh, without, you know, a sense of belonging. And it's very, very poetic, honestly. Yeah. Yep. And she... Uh, Goes to the South, and it's not a good time to be a colored person in the South. Yeah, and it's it's just like her first experience in Stamps, Arkansas. 
up until uh, when her father comes and kind of flips her world upside down. She's like, come on, we're we're going to California. But then he's like, uh, JK, I'm dropping you off in St. Louis with your mother. Yeah, okay. these kids really just don't know what to expect. And they talk about how, since they haven't heard from their parents in so long, when they get gifts from them on Christmas, their romantic idea... Or I guess I'm not sure if it would be considered romantic, but they just think that their parents, they just haven't made contact with them in so long because, of course, they're dead. Why else wouldn't they? So when they actually do get the gifts, it's much more of a blow than anything, isn't it? Yep. And then Dad comes around just to stir the pot a little. Yep, and Bailey is in love with him, and Maya is not. And Bailey is also in love with the mom. Not the grandma. Well, she, he probably likes the grandma too, but he really loves Mama. his own mother. Yep. And yeah, that, and that's pretty much where we left off. Like they see their mother and yeah, that's where this uh, part two picks back up. That is where we will uh, that is where we will be continuing. Um, yep. If there wasn't anything else you wanted to say, Cole, I'd say just dive right in, pal. Alright, so in St. Louis, Prohibition is in full swing, and Tamaya and Bailey, um, they don't even, like, notice all these, you know, underground gangs and everything, because it's done just so casually in the open. Like, uh, selling alcohol in broad daylight, it's just like, oh, whatever, not even a crime. And the children, they get pretty familiar with all of the men who basically own the streets because they report to their own grandmother. Uh, Not the one from Stamps, but this is their mother's mother. And this is Grandmother Baxter. And she is basically like the Godfather. Another just powerful figure in the community. And she is like German and... Well, she's mixed, but she's nearly white and she was raised by a german family a very traditional german family so at school they're surprised at how misbehaved like the kids are compared to the dirty rural stamps like these are probably kids that are a little bit more pampered in life and probably aren't taught every single second that god's gonna come down with his fist and punish you yeah. Like they were in stamps. That sounds a little intense. Yeah. Yep. We're um, actually we're actually going to be discussing an incident later on in this part about maybe taking the god thing a little too far. I don't know. Yeah. Um Yes. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. Yep. I have some thoughts. Um yep. So, Mother Vivian, she has multiple brothers that are well-known around St. Louis. They aren't famous because they are nice, charitable No, aren't they famous because, yeah, they were always running food drives and, you know, helping the poor and stuff like that. Isn't that... Am I getting this confused with another uh, quartet of brothers from a book we're in the middle of right now, or... Um, you know, it's definitely not a Robin Hood figure. Oh, you know, that's right. What do they actually do instead of 
you know, helping out poor people and stuff? Well, they keep the order for Grandmother Baxter uh, uh, in the community. Yep. Yep. So that that's... Uh, and they also hold, like, city jobs, which is, you know, like, just uh, maybe work at the courthouse or something. But that was very uncommon for black people at the time. So that was pretty neat. But yeah. yes, they are mean. They are mean. Uh, and, you know, just kind of teach lessons with their fists. So, for example, one of the guys in the neighborhood swore at Grandmother Baxter. So it's just like a scene out of uh, like Goodfellas. And the, uh, all of Grandmother Baxter's sons enter this bar. They block off the exits and they start to beat him, and then they're like, Grandma, hit him with the baton, and she does Whoa. that. So, and you'd think that the police would get involved, but they aren't because they are wrapped around Grandmother's finger. Oh my gosh. Yep. So, they are completely intertwined. The uncles, you know, say what you want about them. Say what you want about uncles, but these uncles do not discriminate. All right. It doesn't matter if you're white, ah, black. They wonderful. will beat you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see now, honestly, equal opportunity assault. Yes, you know, some things they were not ahead of their time, but with some things they were. You know. I love it. Yep, yep. They were equal opportunity. There we go. Um, and Maya, she respects them for their like meanness you know and uh just just the way that they handle themselves and one of her uncles tells her not to worry about being ugly once again it's just like geez you tell you tell your own niece that she's ugly um but yeah she he says i rather you have a good mind than a cute behind Hmm. so which Maya obviously has a very smart, gifted mind. Yeah. Um, and they also talk about the origin of being called Maya. And it was actually uh, from Bailey because he would always say, my sister. And it just like evolved into Maya sister. And they just start calling her Maya. Very nice. So that's where she got that. And so... After some time, they were so they were living with uh, their grandmother for about a month and, or six months. And Maya, she doesn't really care anymore. At this point, she probably feels very similar to the kids from a series of unfortunate events where they have like freaking dozens of different uh, locations they're living in. And... She says, quote, the new house was no stranger than the other. Wow. So, so once again, she just does not have a sense of belonging. Yep. No time uh, to get comfortable. Not at all. Nope. And she describes her mother's boyfriend, Mr. Freeman, as a big, fat, older man that is lucky to have Vivian, their mother, as a girlfriend, and he knows it. Uh, and she says this about him, quote, 
he had the sluggish infor- inferiority of old men married to younger women. Huh. So Very poignant. Yep, he's just... Uh, he knows that the power balance is out of whack just because he's this old, pathetic man and this Vivian is this, like, outgoing, young, beautiful woman. So... Yeah. So St. Louis is foreign to her to uh maya herself and she shields herself all the time like wherever she goes uh by saying i didn't come to stay just like she was uh in the church in the very beginning right. of part one and so mr freeman he works as a this is their mother's boyfriend he works as a foreman for a train company and Vivian, she brings home lots of money because she's uh, gambling. She's always gambling. Yeah, and so Vivian, she stays out late, like, all the time. Every single time, Mr. Freeman sits there in his chair, and he doesn't make a sound except for his heavy breathing. And uh, Maya says he has, like, man titties. And so he's just sitting there with both of those until she arrives. Maya, she starts sleeping with her mother and boyfriend because she has nightmares. Now, uh, this is where it gets explicit. Yeah. Uh, so, if you want to skip through this, that is completely fine. But it gets disgusting. Viewer's discretion is advised. <sighs> Very much so. <laughs> I, listeners, too. Yep, <laughs> listener discretion advised, yep. <laughs> Uh, all right. I don't even want to say. I don't even want to talk about this. But it's the it's the book. It's it's essential to her story. Yes. All right. So one morning, her mother leaves the house, and basically Maya, she's still in bed, and Mister Freeman is in bed with her, and it's just them two, and he masturbates in front of her. And says if that she tells if she tells Bailey he will kill Bailey. Uh, obviously, Maya is very young at this time. I think she's eight. Um, yeah. She does not know what just happened, um, but she enjoyed the comfort of someone actually, you know, comforting her, uh, being held by someone. Uh, which is just so messed up. Um, so after this event, he ignores her for weeks until he molests her again. And so he doesn't talk to her for months after this. And Maya, you know, she tries to talk to him and she just doesn't get why he's so ashamed of Maya. And she gets even more lonely. And she even starts to grow apart from Bailey. And he starts, uh, she starts reading adventure stories, just like comics, whatever. And it kind of makes her escape into this world where she doesn't have to depend on Mr. Freeman anymore, which is a good thing. Um, and unfortunately, it will be getting worse from here on, but just the completely chilling thing is of course you know these things unfortunately happen in real life but it's just so horrific to read it from the viewpoint of the victim instead of 
you know, well, she has very childlike ways of describing it that, you know, isn't written into the outline here, but like I said, or like you said, I suppose, he just makes her feel, like, comfortable and loved, even though he's a horrible man. Yeah, but she just can't, she can't understand. She doesn't yeah. have, like, the capacity <laughs> for it. Yeah, but it just makes her confused and even more lonely and really pushes her into isolation. Um, but yeah, it's just disgusting. And it's even, it's almost like a horror movie, like reading through this again and uh, just kind of seeing his actions. Like he just seems like this presence that is there the whole time. Like Fly him on the just, wall, kind of. Yeah, he does. He doesn't even talk to the children. He just like sits there, like the entire time, the entire story, until uh, he does these things, and it's just it's it's creepy. Yep. Maya, she goes to buy Mister Freeman a carton of milk, and when she gets back, he is sitting there naked, and Maya, she refuses. She. At this at this point, she doesn't need to depend on him uh, because she found an escape with stories and adventure comics, and she knows that whatever is happening is not right. And he grabs her and rapes her at eight years old. So after this, Maya she lies down and hides her underwear under the mattress and her mother basically just thinks she has measles and Mr. Freeman to make matters worse says that Bailey shouldn't be in the same room as her because then Bailey would get measles so it just even pushes her even further to isolation. So later that night Maya hears Vivian and Mr. Freeman arguing and but she's not sure about what and the next morning he leaves and Vivian and Bailey are making sure uh you know Maya's doing okay and she says quote I longed for death but I didn't want to die anywhere near Mr. Freeman yikes yep especially once again for such a young child to be thinking this way yeah it's totally messed up. Nobody should ever have to go through this experience. And it's pushed her to the point where she thinks death is a better answer than continuing, which is nothing anyone should think. And especially an eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, terrible. And so they have to force Maya off the bed so they can wash the sheets because they think she's sick. And when Bailey removes the sheets, her underwear falls right in front of Vivian. Uh, And obviously there's evidence of what happened because they are stained with blood. Um... And so she's taken to a hospital, and Bailey asks who the perpetrator was. But Maya is hesitant because the whole time, Mr. Bailey or Mr. Freeman said he would kill whoever she told. But 
Bailey encourager saying, quote, he can't kill me. I won't let him. Yeah. Once again, going back to it, it's mentioned a few times. He, uh, he tells her, um, that if she tells anyone what he did, then, um, Freeman will kill Bailey. And she's confused by hearing this even too, because once again, through the childlike inability to completely understand the situation, she just thinks, why does he want to hurt my brother? What does he have to do with any of this? I have no idea what just happened in the first place. And now he's talking about, you know, hurting my, my rock, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Because Bailey is her whole world. Uh, even though they are kind of drifting apart, they basically, they, they themselves are all that they have, you know, like their environment just keeps on changing, but but they remain the same. They're the constant. Yeah. They're the constant. Everything else is the variable, you know? Yeah. Uh, so she reveals that it was Mr. Freeman and he is like instantly arrested um and so like her whole family visits her crying around her bed even her like mean uncles and like it's kind of messed up because she's like this is the most attention i've ever got i kind of wish i would stay here in this moment uh and the nurses tell her that she has lived through so much and you know you pretty much experienced everything and the worst was over. Like you can't experience anything worse than this. And she's only eight. And this is what the nurses are saying to her. Well, I think they're specifically telling her that the worst of the entire experience is over, but it sounds very, um, I guess I'm not really entirely sure how to phrase it, but they just, you know, you can't tell someone how they feel about something. They can't just tell her that everything is fine now because it won't happen again. You know, there's still uh, trauma to deal with after something like that, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very tough situation. Um, Yeah, And, and honestly, I think we'll see here, but her family doesn't really know how to address it. Um, And it causes problems that we'll see here soon. Um, so at court, the lawyer for Mr. Freeman asks Maya like questions like what was Mr. Freeman wearing that day, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what was the environment like? Um, what did you do on that day? He's like putting a child on blast with this too. She's talking about how he's like, oh, you can't remember what he was wearing, but you said he did all this to you. How... I mean, what kind of crazy stuff is that? He's, uh, that lawyer guy's a real turd. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, and this is at a time where rape accusations probably weren't even taken that serious, especially from an eight-year-old girl. Um, and the courtroom laughs at, like, Maya just saying, like, I don't know. And, which is just disgusting. And so he asks if she had been touched by him before, and she fears being labeled something she isn't. So she says no. Like, she looked back at her family because she didn't want them to think that, 
you, she was selling herself to this man, you know, like, um, like a sex worker, she says. Um, she didn't think her uh, family would understand the situation, so she didn't really want to give away what happened. And she starts to cry, and she says, quote, the tears didn't soothe my heart as they usually did. And Man. she... Yeah, that's just... A really sad quote. She ends up screaming at Mr. Freeman, and she says, quote, old, mean, dirty thing, you. And she just keeps on saying that, and she just goes into a state of, like, being frantic and is dragged off the stand. And so he gets one year in prison, but is temporary, temporarily released after the hearing. So Bailey and Maya are playing Monopoly when a police officer answers the door and he informs Grandmother Baxter that Mr. Freeman has been killed. And based off of the evidence, he was kicked to death. Now, this is something I found particularly interesting. How do you think they could tell that he was kicked to death? Were there boot prints on his face? Yeah, I'd imagine from the types of bruises or I don't, I just don't know. Either maybe way. this maybe this uh police officer saw cuz it's pretty obvious that it was the uncles. Maybe he saw it happen and he's like, "Oh yeah, he was uh kicked to death uh but how do I know that? I don't know. I was paid, so I got to keep my mouth shut. Uncles with a penchant for violence are the ones that killed him. Weird. It's heavy. Yep, it's heavily implied. A little no. bit of a con- <laughs> Of course, all jokes aside. Um so far those uncles aren't given much screen time at all other than the one remark that Cole read off earlier and a few other small things and we are just told that yeah, they kind of keep the peace where the peace otherwise can't be kept. So yeah, sure enough, they probably heard the news about the guy walking and immediately just pulled him into a truck and Brought him behind the old mill and, uh, well, yeah, kicked him to death. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, well, that's too bad. Um, I think Baxter literally says, well, you know, that is what you should do with a dirty dog. Just put it down. Yeah, put it down. Yep. Yep, it's, uh, you know, not a big fan of the gangster movies. Not a big fan of that lifestyle, whatever. But, I mean... Justice is a plate served cold, you know. She it's herself cool. must. She herself must have had such an interesting story. Like we're just hearing small tidbits about Grandma Baxter in this chapter specifically, and that's as far as I could tell the only parts in the book. But she sounded like she herself led quite the interesting life. Oh, very. Yep, lots of. Uh... You know, and Maya mentions it. Her life was filled with lots of uh, German meat and brot. She even mm. mentions brot in the in the book, which is brot? bread. Yeah, brot. Yeah. What is brot? It's it's bread. Oh, yummy. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, brot brot culture is uh, bigger than well, maybe not beer, but it's definitely the one of the biggest. Uh, food crazes in Germany. Like, Germany loves their brot. Wow. 
Deutsches, Deutsches uh, Menschen lieber Brot. There we I go. already I already wanted to just take a trip to Germany just for the sights and all that, but now that I know that they're bread obsessed, I have no choice. Yes. Yep. Yep. You gotta come over now. Because yeah, yep. I myself am a bread uh, am a bit of a bread obsessive. Little 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 bit of a bread boy. L- mm. uh, love bread. Yep. I lo- I love the dough. If you know what I'm saying. Nope. Love, all right. Well, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love my uh, my 401k. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money that I won't be able to touch in a very long time. Oh yeah. But my finance class told me to invest in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank yeah. you, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. So. But all jokes aside, it is good to see this guy, you know, get the death penalty. Uh, yeah, not the biggest, uh, uh, not the biggest uh, pro death penalty guy, but I don't know uh, that he's just I don't like that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, he wasn't so, a very good man. Nope, nope. Uh, and so Maya, she starts to blame herself for the death, and. She starts saying, like, oh, I sold myself to the devil and because of the acts he did to her. And basically, since Mr. Freeman got killed, she thinks that anyone she talks to will get killed. So she stops talking to everybody but Bailey. Her own family understands this at first. But after the first week, they do not understand what she's going through and become frustrated with her and would start beating her and lashing out at her for what they called being uppity. And just like how they were sent on the train from California, they were put back on the train to Stamps, Arkansas to live with uh, old, old Mama and Uncle Willie. Once again, I don't know, like, I just, I liked the setting so much in the book, too, that I was upset that they even left in the first place, but it's just awful that they were dragged away in the first place, even though they seemed to be pretty comfortable with Mama, and just brought to St. Louis where, you know, nothing but awful extensive trauma happened and then they're just once again well i guess you're going back to stamp see you later yep yep and and the crazy thing is is that uh maya she's actually excited to go back to stamps well i guess it's not crazy because st louis not a good not a good town to be in right now no uh lots of bad memories for her but i mean stamps is just a racist hellhole um, and she'd rather be there. So it's just like, God, it's insane. Yep. It really is. Um, and, but she justifies like her, um, wanting to go back to stamps because she says, well, you know, nothing ever happens in stamps. It's freaking boring. So nothing could happen to me there, which is fair enough. You know, small towns usually aren't uh, 
big for the uh, don't create big buzz for uh crazy crazy like shootouts or anything or yeah you could you could see her taking some sort of a solace in that in the fact that it's uh a more familiar area for one and for two yeah just being more small and out in the middle of nowhere nothing ever happens in stamps yeah yep so i i get it i really do just like most small towns, um, some people just maybe they haven't ventured out to St. Louis before. And Bailey, he starts telling them crazy stories about the North. And he says, quote, watermelons, uh, they're twice the size of a cow's head. And like if you open them, you get like a million seeds inside. And if you fall down the indoor toilets, you get flushed down to the Mississippi River. And the customers don't realize it, but obviously Bailey's making fun of them. And he's... But despite, like, this uh, newfound humor he's found in, like, making fun of the... I don't want to say, like, simple townsfolk, but... uh, Well, I think that's a fair way to put it. You know, these people haven't seen the glitz and glam of the big city with the flushing toilets and the giant watermelons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a a foreign world. You know, imagine never seeing a skyscraper in your life and just hearing about it. And then here's this 10-year-old boy that comes back and he's like, yeah, the skyscrapers actually do uh, scrape out the sky and you can't even see the tops of them. Like, I'm sure that wasn't too (laughs) far-fetched. I mean, the name, it's got to live up to it, you know? It do be scraping the sky. Yep, yep. Get those clouds out of here. Yep. So, yeah, Bailey is still kind to Maya and... They kind of have a mutual understanding because Bailey never wanted to leave his mother. He loves his mother very much. And Bailey understands Maya's situation. Uh, But there is... They kind of are growing apart at this point in the story. But they still love each other. And so she says, quote, For nearly a year, I sopped around the house like an old biscuit. Dirty and inedible. Then I met the lady who threw me my first lifeline. And Maya, she is finally introduced to the aristocrat of black stamps, quote-unquote, Mrs. Flowers. Maya, she describes her as a beautiful woman who is like the women she reads about in old English novels from, like, the Victorian era. So, like, uh... Jane Eyrie? Eerie? Uh, I believe it's, yeah, Eerie. Eerie? So, like, uh, all, all the fine English women in those novels uh, that love tea and all their crumpets and their doilies and fine china, well, Mrs. Flowers has those things. I don't even know what a crumpet is. A crumpet is a... Is it like a pastry? It's like a biscuit but not in the terms of like uh one you get at popeyes ah it's like like something you would pair with yeah Mm. it's like something you would pair with tea Mm. yeah it's maybe a scone i think it's closer to a scone definitely don't know what a scone is 
Uh, you know what? We could save this for another podcast. <laughs> hey, it looks like you need to visit Mrs. Flowers down the street. Yeah, she sounds if there cool. is one. Yep. <laughs> uh, you need to go see uh, uh, my mother. She doesn't. She doesn't live too far away. Just uh, she always she whipping can... up fresh scones. <laughs> I'll stop by and grab some. I have no problem with that. Yep. Except for, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's ever made them, but she'll make some uh, really nice uh, spritz cookies. Ooh. Uh, she makes those at Christmas. Uh, yep. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, so this Mrs. Flowers, she, you know, she might not have experienced what Maya has gone through, but she wants to help her out because she does know that Maya is good at school. She has a brilliant mind, except uh, she's mute. She doesn't talk to anyone. Um, and so one day, Mrs. Flowers is at the store. And once she checks out, she is like, all right, bye. And then Grandma's like, Bailey, come on, go grab the groceries for Mrs. Flowers. Well... Mrs. Flowers, she had this planned out. She's like, I want Maya to do it with me. Ah. Yeah, very nice. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's funny because, like, she says this and Maya's thinking to herself, quote, I couldn't have refused if I wanted to. So she's just, like, in love with this woman. On cloud nine. Yeah. Yeah, but she seems like a very nice person, a very uh, great person to have, you know, take take you under their wing. Good mentor. Respectable. Yeah. Yes, pretty. Yep. Ah. And so she lets uh, Maya know that, you know, I, I know you're not talking at school and says, quote, no one is going to make you talk. But it's man's way of communicating, and it is language alone which separates him from the lower animals. Very true. So we're going to get you out of that little uh, mute thing you got going on, and we're going <clears> to <throat> hit the unmute button uh, through literature. <laughs> ah. Yep. So they reach the house, and she tells Maya that she has some books for her. And that she must read them out loud. And she has lemonade and cookies prepared for Maya. And uh, she, she uh, starts reading off A Tale of Two Cities to Maya. And Maya is just like, oh my gosh, I've read this book before. I know how the opening line goes. You know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. But imagine if it was... Uh, if you're JFK and Marilyn Monroe is singing this to you on your birthday, you know, yeah. that's how beautiful it is. Yeah, she mentions how um, she's able to read the same words, but it sounds completely different. And mm. I guess we'll kind of get to how that's kind of part of Mrs. Flowers' thing. She tells her to read something over and over again in a thousand different ways, just because there's so many ways to interpret stuff like that. And, just having this read off for Maya is a real pleasure. I bet it is, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, in elementary school and we had a teacher and she had read uh, Harry Potter all the time. And I, I guess like I just realized this, but like thinking back on that, that's probably what really got me into reading. I really liked uh, uh, listening to Harry Potter and that story. And uh, well, and, and that's how we got to this podcast. So thank the rest you. is history. Yep, yep. Uh, you you know who you are if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And hey, uh, even if you aren't, thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one else knows. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and once she was done reading, she asks Maya what she thought of that, and Maya just says she can't say anything else, and she just says. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, she's just like so astounded by her. <laughs> Amazed. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, man. Yep, so Mrs. Flowers, she uh, grabs a poem, like this book full of poems, and tells her, you, you know, you have to recite a poem out loud by memory to her during her next visit. And uh, this whole experience, this whole experience is just like really cool to Maya because she's not really one to get attention. And the fact that a stranger was like, hey, come up to my place. We're going to read some books. I'm going to make you cookies, lemonade, you know, something that's going to take me two to three hours. Uh, this changes Maya's whole life, really. Like she, she's just like someone cares for me. Yeah, just think about that, too. Even, uh, you know, going through your your day-to-day, people are usually wrapped up in, you know, what's going on with them. There's a lot to think about, but sometimes you just extend the olive branch to someone and it makes all the difference, you know. Maybe you haven't talked to them in a couple of years or, you know, maybe you aren't too particularly friendly in the first place or something like that. But why not just shoot someone a message, you know, how's it going, you know, what are you up to lately, that kind of stuff, just... Like I said, extending that olive branch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try to do this at work. You know, sometimes it's stressful at work, but I try to say, how are you doing today, man? Or one of my favorite things is like (laughs) just slapping people on the back saying, man, I'm happy you're here. You know, Uh, just a nice, hard five star right on the back <laughs> yeah right not <laughs> on the butts <laughs> uh but even though like i'm like just joking around but just like joking around in a positive manner like that i don't know i like to think that it makes the work environment a little bit more positive but uh i don't know there's nothing funny about telling someone you're happy they're there that's just a nice thing to say yeah, you know, nice things are just, uh, they're nice, nice to say. Nice things are nice. Yeah, nice yeah. things are nice to say. Wow, Cole, do you mind if I get that, <laughs> uh, like, you know, cut into some stone or something like that? Nice things are nice to uh, say. Giant, giant rock in my front yard. <laughs> I'll even uh, quote you. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. Next uh, merch drop. That's what, we'll put that on the t-shirt. Perfect. Um, Yep, and we'll actually we'll put it on a lo- our next Instagram post, uh, and that and that'll be the quote. I like yep. it. We gotta start highlighting our best quotes. So there we go. Yep. Yep. 
Well, I mean, my list for best quotes might be a little too long to compile, you know what I mean? You might just yeah. want to start from episode one. <laughs> I'm more of a one-hit wonder with this uh, yep. whole uh, podcast. Uh, that was my only good quote. But hey, that's uh, all right, you know, what can you do? We're just doing yep. this for fun. Oh, wow, we're happy you're here, Cole. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I, heard it that. I heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Won't fool me again. Yeah. Yeah, so Maya, she's just like super happy. She's like walking on sunshine, going back to the general store. And uh, she gets back and tells Bailey, this is very important. These first three words are very important. Yep. Quote, by the way, Mrs. Flowers sent you some cookies. Nothing crazy, right? Nothing crazy. By the Uh, way. By the way, I thought that hat looked nice. By the way, I parked in the driveway. By the way, I brought you some cookies. How how much more innocuous could it be? Yep, yep. Um, and this happens, well, this happened to me once, but you, you ever get a situation where an old man just starts screaming at you and you think they're being sarcastic, but they're not? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's what happens here. And, well, actually, it's Mama. She starts freaking out, and Maya, she starts thinking she's joking, but she's not. And she grabs the switch and starts hitting the kids because, like I said, the first three words were very important. By the way, according to Mama, is the equivalent of saying, by God or by Jesus. Cursing. Cursing, yep. Taking their name in vain, and yeah, Mama, well, as we said, Maya thinks that she's just taken some weird joke too far. What the hell could I have said that set her off so much? This is just, okay, I guess this is funny, and then Mama walks in with a peach tree switch, I believe it is, and yeah, it's like a a withered branch off of it, and just gets both of the kids down and just beats them bloody, or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Ridiculous. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Like, she's riding this high, and then she gets back, and she's like, what the heck? And just gets beat. Um, By God. Yep. So, was was there, like, any specific instance where uh, an old man just, like, started freaking out at you, and you're like, whoa, that's so funny, old man, and then they start chasing you? Um... No, honestly, I, I'm sure that it's happened a few times. I can think of a few previous coworkers or just different uh, different situations working at jobs where I'm just sitting there like, all right, you're definitely more upset about this than I care to um, pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. That's just how it goes sometimes, though. Yeah. I, I had this one situation at work uh, back, back in Charleston, and the, we worked with this old man, and... He's, he, he was on uh, the night shift for far too long, 20 years, I think. And I really think that did a number to him. Um, and he's very famous for his temper. And, you know, he usually, he never yelled at me. But one night, he did start yelling at me for uh, questioning his, uh, one of his uh, methods. And, uh, and I think it was fair in my opinion. 
but he just starts yelling at me and i started like pointing i was like oh yeah oh yeah and then uh, and then oh. uh, and then he started yelling back and i was Fuel like for the fire <laughs> yep and then he kept on going i was like oh shit he's not joking and wow. i just left the office <laughs> yeah. yeah well honestly that's perfect why would you ever listen to anyone else's like feedback or criticism on something like that when you could just yell at them because you're too insecure about how you actually think about things yeah Maybe? i i don't know i don't know it's just a weird incident and it sounds like it yeah very but that's how <laughs> i felt i felt like maya in that situation <laughs> you're like uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it's like you're not joking <laughs> you're serious and it wasn't anything crazy like we we got like uh so I work on the engines on jet planes whatever and we got these new filters and uh, well they weren't even new they're just like alternates and they were like golden instead of they're usually dark green and I guess nobody has seen them ever but of course this guy has been in for 20 years and he saw them once 20 years ago and I was just like Okay, you know, I'm just gonna get a second opinion, and he got like really offended by that. And yeah, uh, so yeah, don't be such a big baby about everything. Not you, yep. other yep. guy. If you're listening to this right now, uh, Tom, I bet that's what his <laughs> name was. Buzz off. Uh, yep. Well, now you know how I really feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, but. Yep, enough of that, enough of that. Uh, So, eventually, Maya, she starts to compare and contrast the life between white and black girls in uh, the South, or just anywhere, basically. So, while white girls are, like, you know, practicing to sit proper and what uh, fork to use for the salad, uh, black girls are still picking cotton and they serve as housemaids for their former slave owners. So she starts to work for this white woman, uh, Miss Cullinan. Cullinan? Uh, Something. She, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but uh, she's a 1930s Karen, basically. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, she and so yeah, this is just like a plump white old lady who's like still living off the riches that were made by her ancestors' plantations in Virginia. So, and she brought it to Stamps, Arkansas, and the house is like very neat. And she says, "quote The exactness of the house was inhuman. Like it's just." crazy that the house was that perfect but it's probably because she has maids that they're black maids that are keeping everything in order um and the uh basically like the cook came from the descendants of the slaves from the plantation that her family once owned so yeah it's just like we're seeing these um i guess you could say like trickle down effects of post-slavery America where it's like yeah slavery's done but these people are still working for the people that you know their enslaved ancestors did yeah um whether it be in the house cooking as a maid or being share a sharecropper you know it's just sharecropping is often 
seen as like you know quote unquote legal slavery you know right yeah and, and i looked up the definition compared to uh last episode and basically i also did yeah <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, it's good to do your do your research, you know, and especially after back on you it. talk about it. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, it's just basically there's this big landowner who owns all this land. You work the land, the owner gets the profits, but they just give you, you know, a little slice just so you're thankful enough to where you can barely put food on the table, and that's sharecropping. Yep. You sell the crops to them, they give you very little profit in return. Yep. One day, Maya is told to serve Mrs. Cullinan's friends, and what I'm going to call them is the Fellowship of the Karens, the very first Karens of the Round Table. Uh, first whatever. <laughs> yeah, these friends are just, you know, they got the haircuts. They're waiting at Applebee's for their 16-year-old waitress to take their order. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in this case, it's ten-year-old uh, Maya. I think she's ten at this point. Um, but yeah, so Maya, she's serving them. Mrs. Cullinan answers for Maya because, like, Maya gets to the table, she can't speak, and they're like, "Who is this?" And Mrs. Cullinan says, "Oh, this is Margaret," but. Maya's real name is like M A R G U E R I T E. So Marguerite. Marguerite. Yeah. So, so she can't even pronounce her name right. One of her friends, the biggest Karen, probably, uh, <laughs> says that she said she should start calling her Mary, which uh, makes Maya furious. Which it should. So she is not happy about this because you think about all the different names that black people have been called in the past, like whether it be the N word or just like d- different names. Like the one thing I guess I think about is classic the the root series. You know, it's just Kunta uh, Kinte. Kunta Kinte doesn't want to be called Toby. You know, taking away somebody's name is just uh, a disrespectful thing. It it just has a lot of background when it comes to the black community, like, especially post-slavery and Jim Crow. Like, after this event, after, like, one of her friends is like, oh, you need to call, call her Mary, um... Maya, she could have just like backed down and said this is okay, but she doesn't. She gets very angry and she writes about it and she writes about a poem or she writes a poem about an old white fat woman without children and she calls it a tragic ballad and obviously it's about Mrs. Cullinan. Appropriate. Yep. And so Mrs. Cullinan, she continues to call her Mary and this upsets Miss Glory uh, who is the, the the house cook who had the ancestors that were slaves and continues to cook for the owner, who is Mrs. Cullinan. And she's been working for her for 20 years. Oh, and yeah, so Miss Glory, she, uh, she doesn't want to say that, and she doesn't want Maya to be called that at all. And basically Mrs. Cullinan just says... Quote, that's too long. She's married from now on. 
And Maya, she describes being called something like, you know, other than your name, like I said, is a huge insult due to the years of name calling that came from slavery. You know, you had somebody that went from, uh, you know, Kunta Kinte and then uh, his last name's Anderson. Like, it doesn't yep. make sense. You know, it's just uh, totally whitewashing. Um, and, and, you know, it's just what happened during that time. And so Miss Glory, she actually reveals that her name used to be Hallelujah, or her real name is Hallelujah. However, Mrs. Miss Glory, oh, shit, mm-hmm. Mrs. Cullinan, <laughs> Mrs. Cullinan decided to call her Miss Glory, and that's what she's been called ever since. Um, and Maya kind of finds this funny because she can't believe someone's name was actually Hallelujah, but. <laughs> yeah, Hallelujah is a very funny name. <laughs> well, Lucas, I wish you'd stop making fun of it because it, on the top ten lists of names I want to call my kid, Hallelujah is in the, in the top two. And Hallelujah Lang has such a nice ring to it. <laughs> uh, what was the other name um, that it was neck and neck with again? Uh, Glory. Glory. Glory or Hallelujah, wow. Yeah. Those are both so wonderful. I, I think Hallelujah. so. I, I think so. Hallelujah, Lang. No, that glory is good, but Hallelujah is very funny. Yeah, Hall- <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely go, gonna go with that one. Yep, it's uh, it's been spoken. Yep, uh, but with Hallelujah, Lang, it's just like what? Honestly, when you said it there, I kind of do like the sound of it now. The name's Hallelujah. Yeah, it is. It is a beautiful mm. word. I'll give it that. Like, oh, I love one it. of my favorite songs in church. Uh, How many times can we say <laughs> Hallelujah on one podcast? It's it's fun. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna it lie. It's fun. Yep. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> so Maya, she, uh, you know, she's trying to wiggle out of this job, and she tries. She's trying to hint at like, hey, I don't want to work for you anymore. So, uh, what's the best way to do that? To show your employer that you're not interested? You start showing up late. Uh, and this is what Maya starts doing. And she tries to uh, get fired, but with no success. You know? Uh, Mrs. Cullinan, she's like, oh, you know, uh, two hours late today, but that's all right. You'll, you'll have lunch ready for the, for the Karens today, right? The, the table. Uh Yep, she just she just doesn't get it. Maya, she uh, is once again serving the table, the round table, and uh, she doesn't even leave the kitchen. And she drops the her favorite china. It's the uh, one that's run, run through the family all through these years of slavery and everything. Probably made by a slave too, to be honest. And it breaks on the floor, and it makes this huge crash. Uh, shattering noise, whatever. Mrs. Cullinan, she runs into the kitchen. She starts. She falls on the floor and she starts crying. Uh, she actually says like her her ugly face wrinkled into a crying baby or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then she starts muttering, "It's Mama's China from Virginia," and she starts crying. Uh-uh. <laughs> And, uh, well, it gets a little racist after here, as most Karens get. 
as we see Uh-oh. as we see on our public freakouts we see that karen's a little bit racist uh and then she proceeds to call maya a clumsy n-word and you know she never called her an n-word before but you know it, it's this thin veil where she's like you know, racism's worked out for me for a very long time, but I am this reimagined Southern housewife. And, uh, but actually deep down, I'm just racist. And her friend, she's like, was it Maya? And then Mrs. Cullinan says, her name's Margaret. And, uh, it's actually interesting because the the fact that she, uh, acknowledged Maya as Margaret, which is, you know, pretty close to her name whatever uh she now realizes that she can't call her mary anymore because uh she doesn't really have the power over maya or uh mary yep she's lost control of this uh you know of these people that she has had control over her whole life but now she doesn't and she's very upset and she resorts to racism and it's just disgusting and power is an illusion my friend yeah, sorry your time is up <laughs> mm. uh, martin luther king is coming in another 20 years and he's gonna rock your world mrs cullinan yeah <sighs> happy uh mlk day belated mlk day by the way sure was it when was that that was the 18th Ah, so very nice. Yep. Yep, and of course, Mrs. Cullinan is very angry. She throws a piece of china at Maya, but it misses and it hits Miss Glory. Ouch. Uh, like by the ear, I think, and she starts screaming. It's just, a, it's just a mess. Get your brooms. And what Maya has to say about the situation as she's leaving, she says, quote, Mrs. Cullinan was right about one thing. My name wasn't Mary. Woo. Oh, yeah. So this is p- the part of the story, at least for me, that I can start to see that Maya, she's starting to get a sense of pride in herself, in her name. And, you know, it, it might be just a small sentence, a small glimmer in uh, 130 pages of depression. But we, we see that she is... Uh, growing into herself a bit and it's it's awesome it's a very good sign yep it's a slow process but uh it's happening mama she starts to give uh the kids 10 cents every week uh just to compensate for like the strangest strangeness that's kind of happening in stamps you know maya she's a little bit isolated from uh just how her relatives feel about her and bailey he's obviously distressed about not being with his mother yeah so bailey he starts going to the movies every saturday and one night he doesn't come back at his usual time and maya says quote This is unusual because the black woman in the South who raises sons, grandsons, and nephews had her heartstrings tied to a hanging noose. So, like, when you have something this strange happen where it doesn't happen on schedule, you know, the sun is down, your son could be dead. Your black son could be dead. You know, your your heart is just constantly... It it realizes that's a reality. (sighs) So it's... It's heavy stuff. Yes, very scary. And 
Mama, she tries to play it cool in front of Maya, and so does Uncle Willie, but you know when something's up, you know, like with uh, your yep. parents, there's something a bit wrong, even if it might be small. And they, but, uh, and Ma- Mama, she takes Maya out to go search for him, and she's, you know, as people are passing by, she's like, I'm fine, nothing's, nothing's wrong here, and they find Bailey, uh, and she says that he's, quote, a small figure plodding along, tired and old man-ish. So he's like this little kid, like maybe 11, but he just looks like this depressed old man walking the street. Damn. And when they try to ask him about his whereabouts, he just doesn't respond and just mumbles, which results in a whipping from Mama, uh, which... I don't think the whipping is doing much here, to be honest. Ridiculous. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to tell you how to raise your kid, but uh, it doesn't really seem to I be do. doing much. Uh. Uh, Bailey, he remains pretty absent. You know, kind of like a ghost for a few days, and then he finally says to Maya that he saw a movie. Uh, with a white actress that looked like their mom and he was late because he just couldn't believe it. He seriously thought this was his mom for a second and he just misses her that much. Um, like he, he actually opens up to Maya saying, I saw a mom at, saw, I saw a mama at the movies. So the next time the actress is in a movie at the theater, Maya accompanies Bailey to see if it's true. And Maya laughs because it does look like their mother, but she says, my mom is actually prettier. She just thinks it's ironic that, uh, you know, their black mother is prettier than this white Hollywood actress. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yep. And of course, uh, I, I guess there was white people in the theater. So the theater was maybe segregated somehow but there's white people in there as well because they were laughing at the movie the whole time because in the 30s uh there's a lot of bad stereotypes of black people a lot of blackface going on to uh kind of you know make fun of black culture and you know it just terrible stuff And so Bailey, he is actually depressed after they walk out of the theater and they're just walking along and there's a train that's coming by. And Bailey, he runs in front of it and for a few seconds, Maya doesn't know what has happened. Like she's like, I don't know if he died or got hit or is just like, you know, a pile of meat right now. And... (gasps) Once the train passes, Bailey is standing next to this, like, pole, and she's like, stop making, and she, he's basically like, stop yelling, like, you're making a bunch of noise. So it, it definitely marks, like, a change in their relationship at this point, it seems. A, a literal, like, um, maybe not crossroads so much, but, like, such a literal split between the two of them. yeah. Worlds away, perhaps. Yeah, they're they're both uh, struggling with very different problems, you know. Yep. Um, and uh, you know that they still love each other very much, but at this point, they uh, they aren't as buddy buddy as they used to be as little kids. It seems. 
Yeah, maybe outgrowing each other a bit. So the sharecroppers are once again making their rounds through the store and after, quote, being worked like oxen. And they're still doing the same thing, you know, enter the store in the beginning, optimistic, but at the end of the day, they're just completely beat. And Maya is once again frustrated that... uh, that her people are being treated like this, you know, just being worked to death and getting little to no wages. And she overhears that they're going to have a gathering tonight where all the black churches meet once a year. Because the communities, the different black churches usually didn't intermingle, I guess. Like, you kind of just stick with your own church. But during this one uh, big event, they actually meet up. The meeting, it takes place that night in a cloth tent that's strung with lights. So it's probably just like a, I'm thinking of like brewery uh, aesthetics here, decorations. It's probably the same equivalent of that here where it's, uh, you got this rustic look, maybe, I don't know. Soups, soups vintage. Yeah, maybe there's a, maybe there's a hipster trying to order a double IPA uh, during the sermon. With a giant beard. Yep. (laughs) No, man. Who knows? I guess you ain't here. It's all about the quadruple IPAs these days. Uh, And hey, while we're on this topic, actually, I have had a few double IPAs in my day, and um, they're palatable, but man, that hops is just a different beast, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yep, uh... Heard they've been putting more more hops in this lately. More hops. Yep. Uh, what is that? Uh, barley? Uh, nice. Mm. Nice. Right. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that, that is one thing I do miss about the States. I mean, well, everything's been in lockdown here for a while, which not, not you what? know, what, you know, you've got to fight the coronavirus, but... They don't have, like, the types of breweries in the States. Like, each region has their own type of beer that they can only uh, brew. So it is it is interesting, but you have to travel, and you just can't do that right now. So it's, uh, you know, 2022, that'll be my year, you know. Yeah, <laughs> 2021, uh, not feeling you this year, dog. Uh, yep. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Um. But yeah, so this uh, this congregation is happening, and um, a preacher he starts to deliver this sermon, and like even these people that were so tired from working the fields all day are like, you know, you'd expect them to have their shoulders like bent over and uh, them like not sitting up straight for this thing, but they are all in. They're so attentive to uh, what's being said, and he starts to talk about charity. Because, uh, well, I'll get to it, but he says, quote, Charity, don't say, because I gave you a job, you got to bend your knee to me. Because I pay you, you got to call me master. How can you claim to be my, you know, Christian brother and hate me? And obviously, this is directed right at the sharecropper, like, landowners, it's these uh, people who still expect black people to bow down to their white masters and uh, be grateful that they gave them a job. Be grateful that we're giving you a wage, a wage that you can barely live on. 
And, gosh, you know, everyone in this room is just sick of this system, and especially the hypocrisy of these white churchgoers that love God so much, but they cannot accept their own black community within stamps as brothers and sisters. Yeah, praying to the same God and everything. Yep. You know, um, still happens today, uh, the hypocrisy. Um, just be a good person. It's not that hard, you know. Hmm. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to strive to be a good person. Um, you got to go for <laughs> most Christ-like. And, yep. Uh, and, uh, you know... Some some people might use it as a shield, like in the modern day to be like, oh, I'm a Christian, you know, like I, I might be I might have terrible views on race or whatever, but I am a Christian at heart and it, they use it as the shield, just like these people are doing almost a hundred years ago. We're sick of it. We're sick of it. Be a good Christian. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, just be just good. be good. Just be a good person. You don't even have to be a good Christian, you know. Just be a good person. There you go. Um, and the people—they're loving this message. They're getting up. They're repeating what he's saying. And uh, but once the sermon is over, everyone exits, and they're like, you know, it's it's because uh, we're downtrodden because we're the white, the righteous ones, right? You know, we—it's uh, God's plan. Um, and it's, it's almost like a sin that the white people have their big houses, you know, the schools that actually have TI-84 calculators, you know, it's, it's God's plan. It's God's plan for this. Um, and we're going to continue to be the, the righteous ones because we we're the ones that have it so hard. And, but once once they walk out of this thing and they start talking about these subjects, they're like, oh, shit, uh, we have to go to work on Monday. We have to go back to this shitty lifestyle that we're so accustomed to that uh, we just can't escape, you know, and they just become instantly silent because they know that it's going to be disappointing uh, when the when the day starts over again. Seeing flashes back to the very beginning of the book with the men being brought in on the trucks and talking about who's gonna bring the fattest bag of cotton home. Yeah, but even you know what I mean. Even though if the fattest bag of cotton is like gonna be one cent more than the smallest one, you know, it's it's yep. like nothing. Uh, Still, just impossible to bring home the bacon comfortably. Yep. So it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Maya, she says about the situation, quote, all ask the same question. How long? Oh, God, how long? End quote. And that's where we end part two. Wow. Yep. A lot um, of stuff going on in this episode. Um, Very nice highs seen towards the end here with Maya finally having some sort of... um self-reassurance or however you'd put that and obviously starting off with those awful lows we discussed up top with mr freeman and his being kicked to death after the assault of this child but after everything she's been through even though like you said it's been a slow going process sure enough she still 
um, just building herself up more and more. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we'll see little moments like this uh, as we continue to, through the book where uh, it's like, yeah, you can see like little spurts of growth spurts, you know, and it's, uh, it'll, it'll get better, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. this, uh, like we said, this is, uh, for me, I was kind of dreading getting to, the, you know, which scene that was, and uh, yeah, it's hard to get through, um, but that is the worst part, um, but from here on out, it does get better. She's still going to have to go through challenges, but uh, yeah, it, it, it gets better, so for her, for her. Right. So. Not for anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's still 2021. <laughs> so, was there anything that you particularly wanted to discuss at the end of this episode here? Uh, uh, there's, like, so many emotions going on with this episode. There's grief. There's terror. There's happiness, sadness, longing. Uh, all these different things going on. Um... And just all the challenges she's had to go through and the way she's able to recall it and put it into a story. And, you know, this is the only way I can experience racism and all these other hardships that uh, lots of people in our country have gone through. And it's uh, it's terrible. And... Um, this year especially, well, last year, 2020, with uh, all the movements and everything, I like, you know, it's just like not something I really brought up uh, to my black friends or friends of color is uh, just the topic of race. And I actually started like talking to them about it and like different experiences and like, um, I don't know, it, I, I think it's better to talk about this stuff than to just kind of you know not and like just try to go out of your experience if and just kind of you know try to uh get different perspectives you know and the, this right. book is definitely getting that perspective so how about um, how about you um i pretty much spoke my piece like i said we're seeing some really nice highs and those horrible lows up top and um we're just seeing such interesting little tidbits. You know, she's spending months or years in each one of these places, and she herself is condensing them down to pages, you know what I mean? But she's obviously got so much life experience under her belt, even by the time that she's 10, that, um, I don't know, she's never getting comfortable anywhere. She's always learning new things about, I, I don't know, I suppose, like, well, honestly... I really can't quite put words to it, but I am excited to see where this goes now that, as you said, the worst of it is out of the way. Yep, and there's little glimmers of hope, you know, it's just... Yep. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. So, and we'll, we'll be back next week, of course. But yeah, that that is it for today's episode. There we go. Yeah. Um, go to the Bad Apple Book Club on Instagram. We have some shirts we're gonna have more um and i guess that's about it and uh if you like the content uh 
We are putting out, you know, leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Please. Uh, and if uh, if you already have, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, we first said it at the beginning of the show. We're not, like, crazy concerned about, like, um, you know, the smash that like button. But uh, some feedback is always nice. So, uh yeah, we're, we're doing this for fun, and uh, that stuff really helps us out. Makes us look good, you know? What What would you say is the feedback you hear the most constantly, whether it be positive? Well, you know what? No, let's just go with positive feedback. What's what's some positive feedback you hear? Oh, our banter. Uh, a lot of people yeah, that's like what the I banter, I guess. Uh, people... People are always talking about the banter. There's more to the show than banter, okay? There's a whole er, story. Wait, no, that's the entire show. Yeah. My bad. Nope. Uh, My bad. That one. That one's honestly on me. I kind of flew off the handle there. Yep. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, but uh, and yeah, like the um, content that we do put out, you know, it, you know, being able to hear about stories that. They want to hear about, but never, like, just have the time uh, to read and get to experience that with our podcast is pretty neat. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got to say. Thank, thank you so much for listening, as always. And uh, we'll, Anytime. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Um, take it easy. Bye-bye. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>